reading to the 39th Psalm. <clears throat> Psalm 39. We're thankful again to be here. <clears throat> Want to <clears throat> read beginning at verse 4 down through verse 7. <clears throat> Psalm 39, verse 4. <clears throat> David writes, <clears throat> Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine anger I'm sorry, mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. And the word Selah, it's a musical thing. It's a rest or a pause. And in the Psalms, it also means you ought to stop and think about what just got written down. You ought to pause. Just like in our hymns, we have like a pause or a rest where there's no music played. It just is kind of a placeholder. Well, this isn't a placeholder. Really need to meditate about what the psalmist said there. Amen. Verse 6, Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely... They are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. I want to speak this morning, as the Lord enables me to, on the subject of repent and believe. And you may look at these verses and say, well, where are you getting that from? Well, you'll see. Repent and believe. You need to repent of your sin. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that what He did at Calvary is the only way of salvation. This is a familiar theme to us. And it is without hesitation that we once again preach the very call of Jesus Christ. The same thing He preached. Christ came and His message was that all men need to repeat or repent and believe the Gospel. That's the same message from Genesis through revelation. And that's the only way you're ever going to be delivered from your sins. Now, the Bible makes it very plain. If you look over briefly into the book of Acts, chapter 17, you need to repent. And repentance is a change of mind. That's what the word means, a change of mind. 
And you need to have a change of mind about your own condition and your own place and your own ways. You know, when you're before the Lord saves you, you don't think you do anything wrong. As the Bible says, that they did that which was right in their own eyes. Well, that's what we do, isn't it? And that's how we are. Acts, or Acts 17.30 The Bible says, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Verse 31 Because He hath appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained. That's Christ. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men. See, he's assured you he's going to judge the world in righteousness. How do you know that? In that he hath raised him from the dead. A few weeks ago, the whole world, well not the whole world, but a whole bunch of people celebrated in an unbiblical way what they call the Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And when people do that, even when they don't do it biblically, they're acknowledging in their heads, they're saying, well, He rose from the grave. Well, the Bible says, God assured you by that very resurrection that Christ is alive. You see, dead men don't sit on judgment seats. Amen. And Christ is going to not only be the standard by which you're judged, but He's going to be the judge. And you're going to be held in account. And the only standard is righteousness. And you know what? We ain't got it. We'll look at that in a little bit. So you need to repent. Look over to Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You need to believe God. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your only begotten Savior. You need to have faith. And I'm not talking about how a lot of people say, oh, I have faith. They don't have faith in Christ. They have head knowledge. Oh, I know historical facts. Historical facts will not save you. You know, the Bible tells us that in the book of James it says that even the devils believe that there is a God and yet they tremble. People say, oh, I believe there's a God. That's not enough. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, you need to repent and believe because it says, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. It's impossible to To please God without faith. And there's a specific faith that God gifted faith spoken of in Ephesians 2. And except you have that faith, that one that believes what the Scriptures say, not what you think or I think or what we think the Bible might say, 
But what God said, that's the faith we have to have. You know how faith comes? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why you need to make sure you're hearing the Word of God because if you're not hearing the Word of God, you're not going to have the Bible faith. That's why so many religions and people out there, and I'm not trying to poke fun at them or, or speak ill of them, but they don't preach the Word of God. And they don't have faith. Not the, not the faith of the Scriptures. Well, let's turn back to our text. Psalm 39. You need to repent and believe. First of all, verse 4, you need to repent and believe because you're going to have an end. We're all going to have an end. An end of this life. It says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27 that it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Everybody in this book, right here the Bible, with the exception of Enoch and Elijah died. And the only reason they didn't is because God translated them. The reason that you're going to die and I'm going to die is because the wages of sin is death. You're going to have an end in this life. We have cemeteries filled of an evidence that there is an end. And when that happens, there is no repentance in the grave. There is no faith in the grave. It's too late. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke, the rich man, he died and lifted up his hell in fiery torments in hell. And you remember when he cried unto Abraham for somebody to bring him some water. You remember what Abraham said? He goes, there's a great gulf fixed. Nobody can pass from here to there or there to here. You see, it's settled. And so the the Bible clearly indicates that because there's an end, you need to repent and believe. The Bible tells us as well, verse 4, secondly, He says that I may know how frail I am. You know, we've all been sick before, haven't we? To some way, shape, or form. Some teeny tiny, you know, you get a sinus infection. Lays you up for a few days, maybe a week. Microscopic virus shut down the world. Why? Because people are frail. People get hangnails. 
or you know they get a little little sneeze or something they can't come to church they're real frail aren't they but he says Lord make me to know how frail I am show me just how if you would weak how sensitive to things I am and you think about all the things that David did fighting Goliath leading the nation of Israel and yet even King David here says Lord teach me to know how frail I am make me to know how frail I am he was a warrior he first he was a shepherd boy and you know shepherds that's not an easy life and then he becomes king and he leads his people Saul tries to kill him his own son Absalom tries to take the kingdom over he fights all the Philistines he fights all the people he has sin in his own life and yet he still says Lord make me to know how frail I am and you know it seems like the longer you live the frailer you get isn't it That's why you need to repent and believe. Because you're frail. And we don't even know how frail we are. Amen. Thirdly, verse 5, he says, Behold. And you know what the word behold means. It means take notice. Take notice. Ponder. Really look at it real good. John the Baptist in John 1.29 said, Behold the Lamb of God. You better take notice of the Lamb of God. You better behold Him. You better behold that sacrifice at Calvary. He said, Behold, Thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. So you take the verse 4, Make me to know mine end and the measure of my days and how frail I am. And then David turns and he says, Lord, you have made my days as a handbreadth. Now, a handbreadth is the distance from this finger, your pinky, over here to your thumb. And it's the smallest, one of the smallest measurements in the, in, that the Jews had in the Old Testament. And it's the, the length of a few inches. And you know, the whole scheme of things, we're just here for a hand breath, aren't we? I know some of the things we've seen and the boys and the kids all came up and I, I said, boy, they've grown. We was talking with Sister Trish yesterday and I said we had a picture of the kids up here when we first came and how little they were. Now one's graduating. It, it's been a long time. But it seemed like yesterday, doesn't it? 
It's a handbreadth. Your life is a handbreadth. It's not long. I remember graduating school. I remember going to college. I remember being a young boy playing in the backyard. I remember being my kid's age. Well, not all of them. I remember being young and doing things and and then I I'll go, where'd where'd the last twenty one years go? It's a handbreadth. It's a short time. And then the end's gonna be here. And so you need to repent and believe. There's a lot of things that people say, oh, I'll get this in in my lifetime. You better make sure repentance toward God and faith in Christ is one of them. Because if you do all the things that you want to do and you leave this off, you're going to regret it. And you're going to regret it forever. (coughs) Next point, I lost track. Verse 5. He said, Mine age is as nothing before thee. Some of you are a little older than me. Just a little bit. My wife's grandmother lived to be 103. So I married my wife, she'd outlived me. I told her if she if she died before me, I'd be real mad at her. I will be. But mine age, he says, is as nothing before God. It, it's nothing. He's the ancient of days. He is at fulfills that type of Melchizedek. He has no beginning nor end of days. The Bible tells us that he is eternal. So, 41 90, 103, 4, 18, it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. And another fellow, he wrote about that. He said, it's nothing in the fact that you don't get to say, well, Lord, I'm only 41. I've got so many more years to live. That's meaningless. It's nothing to God because He does as He sees fit. And He does that which is right. It's a handbreadth. He made it a handbreadth. He measured out your days. He measured out my days. And so it's nothing to Him if He says... Today's the day. It's appointed unto you, and this is the day. And you don't know what that day is, do you? Right. Only one who knew when his day was was Christ, and he said, Mine hour has not yet come. And then when his hour came, he said unto Peter, he said, Will I not drink the cup the Father's given me? 
And so the Bible tells us that our life is but a vapor. Tells us there's a step between me and death. And that step might be when you're just standing there. Think about all the, the body, the physical body. There are a lot of things going on there. Then he says this, Verily, verse 5, Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. That word vanity means worthless. I just want you to turn over to Isaiah 64. Y'all heard me tell, talk about this verse. We might as well turn there. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. At your best state, your best day. You know, while I was in high school, played football, and I had better games, and I had not so better games. But even on your best game, it, it still wasn't that good. Isaiah 64, verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Listen to that part there. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All my goodness. All my good works. If you were to take every good work that you've ever done, that I've ever done, and we add it all up, and we put it together in a pile, you know what God says? It's a filthy rag. On your best day, it's vanity. It's worthlessness. And you know, that's what a lot of us were doing, and maybe you're still doing today. You're taking your, your own works, and you're saying, Lord, isn't it great? Lord, isn't it wonderful? I deserve to go to heaven based on this. My good works are equal to what Christ did. That's what you're saying. You're saying that you are on the same level as the Son of God when you're uh, leaning on your own works to save you. I don't need Christ at Calvary dying in my stead of whom God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, because I got my own works. And God has told you contrary. He said, on your best day, it's all worthless. And He said, if you take all the goodness, even on from your worst day to your best day, and you take all your good and you add it up together and you set it right down here, He said, it's a filthy rag. Now, the Hebrew for that is a used menstruous cloth of a woman. That's what that means. 
Today that would be a used tampon or a used maxi pad. I'm not trying to be uh, 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 vulgar. I'm just showing you what that would be. You're standing there with that going, God, isn't it great? You know what we do with those? We throw them away. We flush them. I hope don't flush them. Throw them away. But but for years I didn't. If you're here and you haven't repented, you're trusting in your own works. You're holding on to that. It's Saint God. In this wonderful. On your best day. Worthless. Oh, you need Christ. Amen. Verse 6. I just want to look at the last phrase. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now what we do a lot, we work and work and labor and labor and we have this and we I'm going to leave it to this one and that one. I don't know what they're going to do with it. And it shows the vainness of life outside of Christ. I want to close with verse 7. I think David hits a pinnacle here. He hits a high note. You know, kind of like when you sing, you know, and you hit that, that high note, that kind of that, that pinnacle of the hymn. We, we sing some hymns, the whole hymn's a pinnacle. But I, I tell you, verse 7, David says, And now, Lord, he gets done going through these things. And then he says, And now... Right now, meaning hadn't always been this way. Had not always been this way, Lord. People say, I've been saved my whole life. No, you haven't. The Bible says you came into this world a sinner. Separated from God, dead unto Him in trespasses and in sins. And you need to be quickened. You need to be made alive. And the Bible says He's begotten you with the Word of God. The very Word that's preached out of the Scriptures. David says, And now, at this present time, and really forevermore, now, Lord, what wait I for? Lord, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting as in, what am I dependent upon? Well, I can't depend on, on my days to outlast things. I can't depend on my body because I'm frail. My days are only a hand breath. Mine age is nothing before you. And my very best, is altogether worthless. It's not just worthless, it's altogether worthless. 
And so he says, what wait I for? And then he answers it. He says, my hope is in thee. Lord, I'm hoping in you. I'm, I'm trusting in you. My assurance is in you. My assurance is in you just like Abraham's was when they was going up Mount Moriah and Isaac turned to him and he said, Dad, he said, here's the fire, here's the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, I believe he said it so full of faith. Son, God will provide Himself a sacrifice. He did, didn't He? There on the tree of the cross. Look over to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. You know, a lot of times we get enamored and hyper-focused on the <clears throat> on the cross and the affliction and what was done to Him and the horrificness of it that uh, the Jews and the and the Greeks, the Romans did, and what took place. But always remember, the other side of the coin is, is that he was delivered by the determinate foreknowledge of God. Calvary was planned by God. And God provided Himself a sacrifice you know what you offer? It's filthy rags. Lord said, I'm going to offer, offer a true, perfect sacrifice. All the types in the Old Testament, the sin offering, the peace offering, the trespass offering, the burnt offering, the meal offering, they all pointed to Christ. The Day of Atonement, the Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, Pentecost, with the wave offering, all speak of God. And we find here in Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Now notice, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And if you would look down. Verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. Now, verse 11. He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. By His knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for He shall bear their iniquities. By His uh, uh, knowledge shall my righteous servant justify or make righteous many. I ask you this morning, is your hope in Christ? Are you still holding on to your filthy rags? 
Are you still expecting God to just accept you based on your works? Look over to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. Here we find the Lord speaking. And He puts it so plainly. Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What's His will? Repent and believe the gospel. That's what's been declared this morning to you. He said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Lord, didn't we preach in your name? I'll even go a little further and say, in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Lord, look at our works. Look at all the things we did. And we did it in your name. That's a step above what I did. I didn't do anything in His name. I just did it for me. And He says unto these, He said, Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If He's going to say that to them, what's He going to say to you? You who've rejected His only begotten Son. You who didn't repent. What's He going to say to you? Ain't going to be better than this. In fact, the Bible says He's going to come one day with flaming fire taking vengeance on all them that believe not the Gospel. So again, I want to ask you, have you repented of your sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? There's no other way Amen. to be saved apart from this. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's stand and we'll have a verse of invitation. If the Lord spoken unto you, we invite you to come while we sing.